On the first morning of the new year, I went outside in the pre-dawn dark and listened. It didn't take long before I heard it. A melodic chuck-chuck was the call of an American robin, my first bird of the year. First birds are a tradition among birdwatchers, can serve as an omen, an ambiguous sign for what the year might hold. Most want to avoid the invasive and ambiguous uh, raucous European starlings or house sparrows, and all hope for something truly extraordinary. Most of us, though, find a bird that is common and loud, a crow, a cardinal, or a robin. I was satisfied with mine, a pleasant everyday bird that is a joy to watch year-round. For the rest of the day, I kept listening, and by its end, I had over 30 species for my New Year list. I've been training my ears since I was a child, learning to distinguish the sounds of birds from the background, separating each voice in the chorus. It takes practice, especially for the more subtle species. The differences between their songs and calls, slight and subjective. But with time, I've come to be what's called a good ear birder. My listening for birds has trained me to also tune in more generally, to hear the world around me at any given moment, searching for a bird calling amid the noise. And I'm sure that there are other kinds of listening attached to other practices that would reveal more sounds, more resonances in the landscape around us. Geologists, for instance, I've heard, can listen to stones. They not only cry out, they also hum and sing. And what would it be like to experience the world of sound without hearing through our ears, with our bodies taking in the vibrations of voice and music? There are many sounds, many ways of listening, but all of them lead us to a common truth. At any time, in any place, there are calls going out, sounds seeking an answer. Philosophers from Martin Heidegger to Jean-Louis Chrétien have understood that the nature of language, or even being itself, is an answer to a call. And this reflects the biblical vision where light and land, sky and sea, animals and plants are all called into being. The German Renaissance theologian Nicholas of Cusa said that to call is to create. To share in being through communication is to be created. There is something, then, that is created in me as I listen to birds in the pre-dawn dark or strain in a forest to sort through their varied voices, recognizing each as they sing. There is something in each of us 
that is created when we wait patiently, straining to make out the words of a child, or join together in making music through singing, listening to one another. In each act of listening, small or large, we are answering a call, joining in the great communication that is at the heart of the world. To hear the call is an active work. When I stand in a forest, I cup my ears to amplify the voices around me. I hear chip notes, and they all sound so similar, and yet they are different. An orange-crowned sparrow er, warbler here, or a yellow-rumped warbler there. Whose call are we hearing? Whose are we heeding? That has long been a major question of the spiritual life. It was the question that young Samuel had to sort out at the beginning of his ministry. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening, is the response Eli taught him. Samuel says it, offering himself in response to the call. It was a response that became his whole life as he entered that communication of God which something new was created in the world. Eli, who knew the right response, had ceased to offer it himself. He had let his loves become disordered, allowing his affection for his sons to keep him from a proper listening and response to God. For this, God told Samuel, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears it tingle. There are many ways that our hearing can become spiritually impaired. Love for the wrong things or in the wrong order is certainly high on the list. But in our gospel, we see another common barrier, expectation. In listening, we always arrive at the encounter with expectation. And yet such a prejudice can keep us from truly hearing. Can anything good come from Nazareth, Nathaniel scoffs? It's like a story that Will Campbell relates in his memoir, Brother to a Dragonfly, in which a progressive northerner told a civil rights activist that he'd never vote for someone with a southern accent. In this case, Jimmy Carter. It's bigotry, plain and simple. When we come to believe that only one kind of voice or one kind of person can be the agent of the call in our life, then we are stopping up our ears. In doing that, we are blocking the voice of one calling us to something new. We are stepping out of the communication in which new creation comes. Thankfully, Nathaniel listens even to someone with a Nazarene accent. In doing so, his response becomes the ground for a shared conversation, working in call and response to create a whole new reality, a reality whose power continues in our time whenever someone listens to God and answers. Will Campbell was a Baptist minister 
who worked with Martin Luther King Jr., whose memory and testimony we especially remember this weekend. King, like Samuel, heard the call of God. At first, it was a call to ministry to become a pastor. Then it was a call to lead the way to justice and love through the dismantling of Jim Crow. But as in the time of Eli, he found his way hindered, especially by ministers and good church people whose loves had been disordered, unready to share in a new creation. In his famous letter from a Birmingham jail, King addressed these people after a group of white ministers urged him to moderate his work and slow his efforts for justice. In that letter, he wrote, Wherever the early Christians entered a town, the power structure got disturbed and immediately sought to convict them for being disturbers of the peace and outside agitators. But they went on with the conviction that they were in a colony of heaven and had to obey God rather than man. They were small in number, but big in commitment. They brought an end to such ancient evils as infanticide and gladiatorial contest. Things are different now. The contemporary church is so often a weak and ineffectual voice with an uncertain sound. It is so often the arch supporter of the status quo. Far from being disturbed by the presence of the church, the power structure of the average community is consoled by the church's silent and often vocal sanction of things as they are. The question in King's Day, just a few decades ago really, has not gone away. It is a question of call and response. Will we listen for what God is calling us toward, and will we answer that call with courage? Or will we go along with the general noise of the status quo, offering a weak and ineffectual voice with an uncertain sound? The call that brings forth our being is still at work, walking alongside us, creating a new world even amid the noise, both inside and out. Our work is to learn to hear the call, practicing our listening so that we can pick out the voice of God from among the chatter of the world. It takes time in silence and solitude, in the quiet of the night, saying like Samuel, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. But to join the communication, we must also respond like King and those early Christians he cites, living with courage and boldness so that God's song of justice can rise from the den. In that listening and responding, we will join in the great communion and communication of love that is always calling from age to age, creating something new. Amen.